If you're good at something, never do it for free. Typhoon, y'all know me, and I'm coming up, just wait and see. If you're good at something, never do it for free. But if you're great at something, would you still agree? Typhoon, y'all know me, and I'm coming up, just wait and see. If you're good at something, never do it for free. But if you're great at something, would you still agree? So let me tell hey everyone, welcome back to Kevin and the Wu-Tang Clan. And yes, we are back this week with Andrew Ramondi as we previewed the Eastern Conference in the NBA. Sorry, I, I was struggling to get that out there for a second. But yeah, Andrew, excited to have you back on. Yeah, thanks, man. Uh, good to be back in the swing of things. Uh, you know, I think we're in an interesting time, like in the sports, like it hasn't shit, at least like my NBA rotation of podcasts hasn't gone into like full preview mode. I think we're getting in. A little a good early. Time. Yep. No, I like it because we can actually, I think we can be less tainted. This one, the season starts in two weeks. Preseason starts tonight. When you leave, it's it's Tuesday night. I'm going to watch the Blazers' first preseason game. But, like, uh, the season starts in two weeks, so I don't think it's too early. But I like that we're getting in a little early, at least in the sense of, like, NBA preview podcast because I think we can actually have our own takes on takes everything. as opposed yep. to, like, when you're listening to stuff, I think you get affected by whatever the consensus yeah, is. Yeah, exactly, and, and stuff, swayed so. by, you know, the prominent NBA people yeah. that have podcasts like Bill Simmons and Zach Lowe. And True. Nate, all those guys that you kind of get swayed by. So it's really great that we're doing this. But I f- yeah I forgot we're doing the up big top. butt yeah so I guess like you can put a timestamp in and if people were like excited seeing like oh Eastern Conference preview and want to skip the like geopolitical situation yeah. maybe we can put a bumper I feel in there. like but I think it's a I yeah. had three or four friends that reached out to me saying when's your next podcast coming out and are you talking about NBA in China so yeah. th- a lot of people are actually super interested in talking about this or hearing us talk about this so. Andrew, do you want to kind of do you want to go through like the little timeline, or do you well, want? Well, you me to said you were doing more research on it today. I, I, I would, p- I think it's probably better that you do it. You can probably do it more concisely than me, anyway. Yeah. So, <laughs> I just threw it back to you. Were you not ready either? Can I throw? <laughs> <laughs> okay, Let I can give back. you like the timeline from my memory. Maybe yeah. I can do the timeline, and you can do more of the actual no, no, geopolitical uh, do, background because I, I can. I can give you a vague timeline for sure. I feel like I can give you the. Vague Big timeline. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine, man. So Daryl Morey ends up posting this tweet, I believe, about Hong Kong and their liberation slash like pro slash the protests that are going on um, against China and some of their author- authoritarian rule um, regarding some of the. I would say, I think it was like the police action. Um, regarding like, um, well, I want to say for well, let's. I I think they'll have a. All he did was tweet and delete an image. Quickly deleted an image that said "Fight for Freedom, Stand for Hong Kong." Mm-hmm. I mean, as to the general, I'll just say as to the general, like specifics of what the Hong Kong protests are about. About. There, there are many, many explainers out there. Uh, there are many. Um, I know Zach Lowe retweeted one that was kind of approaching it from a basketball perspective. Howard Beck uh, kind of tweeted something, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But, yeah, basically, I mean, it's against uh, China's interference. These protests are basically about China's 
interference and th- allowing a lack of autonomy for Hong Kong's people. I right, mean, and it, it kind of it comes down to and it. it kind of goes into like some of the free speech type of things and free like right to assembly and all that yeah. type of stuff that I think Hong Kong uh, has had for years and years now. And there, there's this. It gets into like all this history between China and Hong Kong and how there has been basically this um, two-system, one-country type of rule um, within China and Hong Kong, and how to, um, I guess, how to, like, go about doing that, especially after um, Hong Kong was under British rule for a long, long time, I believe until, like, 1996 or something like that, before Britain basically gave um, China, Hong Kong back into Chinese rule. But I think one of the provisions that was actually written out um, by Britain was that they really were stressing the democratic values that Britain had. And that was one of the provisions that was listed in um, the treaty that was taken place. And Hong Kong... I think there was a provision in place where 50 years or something of democratic rule. And th- now, I that's like the brief history lesson of what's yeah. going on. And I guess from like the NBA perspective and where Daryl Morey kind of comes in is he ends up tweeting that picture, I believe, of him saying, I, I think the image said, fight for freedom, stand with yeah. Hong Kong. And it gets into... And then that kind of started off this international, I guess, like firestorm. I don't I don't even really know what to I don't know. Well, I think that's an interesting I I don't know. We don't want to do this for 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 too long, I guess. I mean, it's an important we can do it. as long. But I think really there's an interesting question here of like, was this real? Because it's easy to paint it as like Maury retweeted this, China freaked out, and then the NBA responded. But there's an argument to be made that actually the NBA possibly had a hand in blowing this thing up a little bit. Mm. Because uh, apparently Tillman Fertitta came out almost immediately after and was like, you know, this doesn't represent what the Rockets, uh, you know, this the Rockets are not a political organization. You know, the Rockets love China. It should be pointed out that the Rockets, we, I mean, there are no statistics on this. The Rockets are probably the most beloved NBA franchise in China, given Yao Ming, uh, Yao Ming's tenure there. I mean, it should be noted that I'm pretty sure the Rockets' alternate jersey has Chinese characters on yep. it. Like, the relationship between the Rockets and China specifically is... is the strongest, probably, yeah, out of is, the NBA. Is pretty strong. I think they were saying either them or Golden State because because of Golden State's popularity. Oh, okay. According to a recent years. survey, the Rockets were, are the second most popular mm-hmm. team in China, so that, that makes sense. Right. So with all of that, Fertitta, who's the, the owner of the Rockets, ends up pretty much immediately coming out and rebuking what Maury said and saying that Maury is speaking on well he didn't even really say that but he was just saying like this doesn't represent what the Rockets stand for yeah and then Maury kind of walks back his tweet and takes it down relatively yep. quickly and, and something on Sunday tweeted a statement basically saying I was merely voicing one thought you know I've and now kind of the more iffy part I've spoken to I've had a lot of opportunity since that tweet to tweet to hear and consider other perspectives, which does 
to me as a lawyery type who thinks a lot about rhetoric that seems to kind of imply like i'm not saying i said something wrong but like i'm saying that like i was maybe misguided you know right there's kind of an implication well, there doesn't it just well to me how that came off was i meant what i said kind of but i understand I how it could have but i don't i didn't understand the financial impact at the time and then Shit, that maybe. kind of like yeah because of that now i have a better grasp and understanding of what <laughs> of ended up happening yeah like, i mean i guess that's too i like the idea of him doing the backhanded thing right. there but and uh i think it's also important to say what the nba basically said and i think more has happened since this i'm just referencing a ringer article for for the most part uh, statement saying, you know, we recognize that the views expressed by Daryl Morey have deeply offended many of our friends and fans in China, which is re regrettable. While Daryl has made it clear that his tweet doesn't rep blah, 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 we have great respect for the history and culture of China and hope that sports and the NBA can be used as a unifying force to bridge cultural divides and bring people together. Now, another obviously part of this is that there was then a Chinese translated statement I don't know if you saw this that went out that maybe in the translation seems to more say that this was a basically inflammatory or like yep. it, it offensive you know characterizing Maury's words in more um in more kind of uh negative language basically right, right. You know, and I we don't have to re. I'd like to just get to like the part where we actually talk about what we think about this, as opposed to rehashing it. I everything. Would, uh, yeah, but you know, okay. So you get more tweets from the NBA or statements from the NBA, kind of solidifying that you know we believe in our the right for um you know our players and executives to speak freely and and things of that nature. There was kind of like a backlash and on coming from everywhere yeah J and then like it just is joe Sai. did you joe Sai's yep. statement today where he's Brooklyn basically Nets owner. yeah he's basically using this like uh, it's hard to explain the but like the equivalent of like a trump guy using fox news talking points he characterizes like the hong kong protesters as separatists and yep. kind of kind of different things like that so it, it is a really really messy situation um yeah, and it's like I mean, from his perspective, and Daryl he's Moore, the co he, he I mean, he's oh, the yeah. CEO of Ali Alibaba, like sure. he co-founded that. Of course, so of course he's got to protect his interests. So I think that's the interesting thing we can we can go into here. I didn't mean to cut you off. Yeah, no, like, no, go ahead. The good thing I have to say, from my perspective, thank God Daryl Moore didn't get fired. Apparently, that was like on that the table. seemed to be in yep. play early on, and and thank God that didn't happen because I think this would be a like much more alarming conversation to me at least. I think, and so who too. knows, we still mm -hmm. could be headed towards that place. But like, that would have really like, I think this is in it like. We're at the point where it's like this is interesting, but Maury getting fired like would have pushed it into a place of like, like yeah, what like is we really need to reconsider. Like, what do what is the NBA value exactly. at that point? Yeah, yeah, or something like yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. 
So with that, what what do you make of all this? Like what we as we've kind of done maybe a a slightly haphazard job of laying all this out. But once again, if anyone's interested, I you can there's plenty of explainers out out on this right away. Right. And I I would say And I would encourage people to look into just Hong Kong and, in and China's relationship right. generally because as Americans like and I think this is something we've seen as like kind of the shock waves have rolled out around the NBA league. A lot of people saying like I was listening to Bill Simmons' reaction. A lot of people being nervous about just, like, not knowing what they're talking about or right. whatever. And, you know, uh, we should be informed about, like, these kinds of things. And this world is, like, politics. One of the, this yeah. is literally one of the most, like, preeminent kind of, like, geopolitical things in the in the world right now. Right. Uh, and so and I think we're not even touching on, like, China and, like, concentration camps and, and, and we other didn't even, kind of yeah, human rights issues exactly. in, in China. Generally. And, like... You know, even like Steve Kerr's reaction yeah. to like the whole whole thing, who's probably one of the most progressive coaches in yeah. in the league and in American sports, kind of coming out and against Trump and talking talking about all his stances against Trump and all gun control, gun control, that. all that type of stuff. And there was a very interesting. It's been interesting watch. Like this has become a political kind of topic to some extent too. A lot of people trying to score points on both sides. Fox News, my, CNN. So yeah, my my congressman Tom Malinowski from this district was actually one. He's like a big like he's a Democrat, but like mm-hmm. he just won like this district was Republican for a while, and he's a big like foreign policy guy. So he came out right away, basically saying China shouldn't be able to use like economic, you know, mm. basically incentives as a way to stifle free speech in America and, you know, shield themselves against criticism of their human rights record and stuff like that. But then I saw an interesting, there was almost like this, this morning when I saw that Steve Kerr statement, there was like the Daily Caller kind of right wing media (laughs) coming out and saying like, Steve Kerr's so, you know, like willing to speak out against Trump, but he won't speak out against, like, communist China, which which is pretty wild. I know, yeah, um, where it's just, like, on both sides of the aisle, or people are just trying to, like, say their piece and score points, like you were saying. Yeah. Um, So what do you... Yeah, all right, so let's get back to the NBA. Like, what do you you make of all this? Like, what's your biggest takeaway, you know, and and take it from... I definitely think I have my... My angle, but I'm interested in seeing what what you find interesting here. I mean, my biggest takeaway was there. I just felt that. I mean, Maury should definitely be able to express what he wants to say. I think first and foremost, like that's probably the one thing that he should be able to to say. But it definitely, it it just kind of shows like the trickiness in this situation with how he expresses everything and all the impact that he had. And it kind of, I was a little surprised by some of the, I mean, I I don't think the NBA really took a stance with what Silver kind of came out and said, especially with, through the NBA, uh, through that statement, they kind of pretty much said like, we allow them to express their rights, but this definitely Pretty pretty much spelled it out and said this has dire consequences and you're, they're losing like a bunch of like um, like ten cent who's like yeah which is like their streaming company in China that basically shows all their games has kind of vowed to not show any Rockets games things like that like I it it does kind of smell a little bit of like the NBA is like definitely trying to protect their economic interests yeah um, in the name of like 
human rights in some ways. Like, not that it's an equal, like, comparison, obviously, and I think they they have a right to do that as an organization that's non-political. Yeah. But it definitely, it definitely is kind of ironic when I was just, a couple days ago when I first heard about it from you, I was like, man, this they're coming out a little bit weak. Yeah. In my opinion, but yeah. um, I guess as it's going on and on, I think Silver's kind of making the right move in terms of how he came out and said, hey, Maury, whoever it is, executives, players, have the right to speak their mind yeah. on, on different issues. Yeah. I, it's just like, it's just definitely a hard situation. But at first, initially, I thought the NBA was coming out a little bit weak in terms of their stance on like protecting their economic interests. The whole the whole thing to me reads a little bit weak even as it's gone on. Like I think the charitable way to describe what the NBA is doing is trying to play both sides basically. Mm-hmm. As as we've gone on, that's what I see. I think they came out very weak like you said and then maybe it but it still strikes me as hedging a little bit. Um and I just wanted to make a couple points. One, uh, this is a point I stole from a, a podcast I like. It's a Ringer podcast called The Press Box. That's like a meteor criticism um, podcast. Um, and they were pointing out how, like, you didn't really see much commentary from this from, like, the usual Suspects. news thought leaders in mm-hmm. the NBA. You Zach Lowe, like, a retweet, Woj, nothing. You know, like, you're – and the – ESPN, like, this has kind of been under the... It's gotten a little bit bigger. It kind of had its crest, I think. But you haven't really seen many people weighing in with any sort of meaningful kind of criticism Mm -hmm. or takes on this. And all of these people work for huge media companies as well. It makes you start to think about ESPN's own interest in, like, you know, Mm -hmm. China there as a subsidiary of the Walt Disney Company. If Zach Lowe goes on his podcast tomorrow and says, you know, Daryl Morey's right, blah, 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 and lays all this stuff out, Mm -hmm. like, I wonder what ESPN would have to say about that. So... Going from all that, to me, honestly, it just was an interesting exercise. And, like, when we talk about the NBA, uh, even as huge fans or whatever, like, we talk about business and, you know, stuff like that. We uh, we think about revenue, but at least I, I never think of it as, like, of a corporate entity or yeah. something like that. And it, it was an interesting exercise in that, like, you know, coming from my left-leaning political perspective, it's kind of a bummer like it's kind of like uh well i guess like at the end of the day for as much of the nba wants to like i'll i'll double back and i'll double Mm. back and then go for it we like to think of the nba as like the most progressive and that doesn't necessarily mean progressive politically as in left like progressive Mm. as in forward thinking and like open you know different ideas yeah exactly uh you know sports league and and stuff like that but here you kind of saw like this baseline like it's hard to describe it as any other way than capitalistic Mm -hmm. like you know we're protecting our economic interests even if that means it's at the you know the hand of not necessarily doing what's right or what's moral Mm -hmm. you know and do businesses have a responsibility to be moral that's that's up for your you know debate i'm not gonna make an argument for that here but it's a little bit of an interesting reality check 
uh, I would be a way to describe it, seeing them grapple with this. And we were talking about Adam Silver and the NBA with tampering yesterday or last, last, last week, time yeah. we talked, you know, talking about like the NBA's image over the years and Adam Sturr's role in that. And I think he takes a hit to, so to some people at, at the very mm -hmm. least from this. And I think the media kind of in their role in this plays plays a point, too, because if he's, you know, the the media at the NBA media and the league have a symbiotic relationship and it makes you wonder, like, are people not talking about it kind of to maintain that that relationship or something? So there are a lot of interesting thoughts at play and it's a hard thing to talk about. There are all these interlocking interests and it's not black and white. It's not. It easy. definitely isn't. I yeah. want to reiterate that the only thing that is. As you kind of said, the only thing that is like black and white is like Daryl Morey should have the right right to say that it's great he didn't get fired. I wouldn't be surprised if the league kind of stepped in and was like Tillman for Tita, like you can't. No, or, or just uh, yeah. like you know, yeah, yeah. you don't have to do that, you know, mm -hmm. or whatever cajoling. I because I don't know what Tillman how Tillman for Tita feels about his economic interests are at play too. Yeah, ostensibly totally. he should be able to make the best decisions for his you know financial entity which is the houston rockets which is a basketball team that we like to talk about and and watch also so you know the things that are black and white are that daryl morey should be allowed to say what he said and i we both obviously think daryl morey's fundamentally correct so. yeah yeah and i i think that's like at the basis of it and and i guess the one other point that oh uh, one one thing sorry. i wanted to say yeah. just uh, kind of tying up the whole bow but like there, there's no. It's just interesting that the NBA. It comes out in a weird way in the NBA. Like there's no escape. Whatever. Think of your five co favorite corporations. Like mm -hmm. th they're, you know, whatever. They're every big corporation probably has some sort of financial interest in China, right, right. and it just doesn't always come out in such a, you know. Uh, in such a weird, direct, you know, well, way that happens to to intersect with free speech. Also. Right. Yeah. And I thought I was going to kind of bring that up a little yeah. bit in like if a company like Apple or one of yeah. these tech companies kind of dealing with China in that way kind of had some type of response or some type of like situation like this that the NBA has. I don't know if as many people would really care yeah. as much like maybe with like underpaid workers things like yeah. like i i don't know if people would care as much but i think at because it intersects with sports and because the nba is like one of the like the more most popular popular sports worldwide i think a lot of people are, are kind of kind they were kind of like intrigued by this story because it's a different it, they're coming at it from a different angle yeah um and I guess the other point that I was going to make is, I guess, as as China makes their rise in economic power, the, I think there's going to be a lot more situations like this yeah. kind of tying tying everything together and saying, like, I wouldn't be surprised if people um, like this is the start of of certain things happening, of sure. people kind of analyzing, like what's going on in China. And, and like globalization like obviously plays mm -hmm. a role in that too. Like the NBA being popular in China or like, you know, being 
that kind of like link is required for something like this to happen. And you know, whatever. I to be like your grandpa, that the wave one tweet can make in China, like where, by the way, Twitter is censored. Uh, you yep. know, yeah. would any like that's would any Chinese people have even really been aware of this? Unless had, it was like the reposted got, on you know like on Weibo, Weibo or yeah, something. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It's an interesting question, but it makes you think about our own freedoms. Totally. Here in America. Totally. So I, I thought it was really interesting that we had to kind of start that off from yeah. the top because and of the And I of think it's something to keep an story. eye on. Like, yep. I'm very interested in, I think, the stuff with the streaming and all that, like, is, is interesting. And we kind of have a duty as NBA podcasters to, to yeah. keep an eye on it because it, it does affect the league writ large. Yep. So it'll be really interesting. Never thought I would have ever been talking about no. China and the Houston Rockets, Daryl yeah. Morey. Like it's one of the weird, not we- weirder isn't the way, but it's one of the more like idiosyncratic yep. sports things I can really remember yeah, happening. Yeah. It's definitely, yeah. And I, I, re- I had people like, my mom just kind of asked me like, what's going on? Like I've been seeing this on the news and I was like, yeah, we got to sit down and talk about it before I can like shoot you like one line of yeah. text to kind of like get the whole yeah. uh encapsulation of what's happening. So all right. Twenty five minutes in. Damn it. <laughs> all right. Of course then that's we're what breaking two uh, hours. Of course on this that's for sure. Yeah. Hopefully we can get but the real reason why yeah. well that's kind of bad to say. But the reason <laughs> the other reason why we're here recording this pod is cause the wins pool of the NBA I guess we're doing a wins pool NBA draft. Yes. Season two yes. for us. Um, I won last year, but I mean, with the caveat of Andrew did draft eight Eastern Conference teams last year. Um, I believe. so I was thinking about this. So I I'll lay out what what we do basically. Uh-huh. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna d- flip a coin, and whoever goes, w- I will say whoever wins gets their option Should of either choosing. choosing East first or or West first. Uh huh. You know, and that and it's fun. And then we'll get well, those will be our teams and we'll tally up the wins and see see who who wins. And everyone seemed to enjoy this when we did it last year. I think it's a good way to preview the league kind of and and simultaneously give predictions to to some extent. So that'll be fun. I was thinking now to undercut the premise like real quick. I was thinking about kind of the faults in this system (laughs) as like an effective. (laughs) Right. Right. And not just because I lost, but I think we should do the wins pool. Okay. and see who wins that. But did you like basically power rank your teams for uh for uh kind of purposes of Yep, I did. Of I think we should also give our top 8 and keep track of that and see who comes closest and see if the wins pool is this, is, is is if there's a consistent is it a, I think that'll give us some interesting data as to if the wins pool is actually a good way of of going about doing <laughs> yeah, this. I think it's still fun to do regardless, but uh uh-huh. yeah. Okay. I think we I think we should uh, and we can just do that at the end. We'll, okay, we'll, we'll do g- the win school so as as we should. As is, but, but I think we'll we should pick eight eight Eastern Conference teams ranked one to eight, okay. and then eight West teams ranked one to eight, and we can try and figure out some way about like kind of. It shouldn't just because I think we both might have the same eight Eastern Conference playoff. I think teams, this is pretty but the easy order. To s- yeah. Yes, but we can kind of see who comes closest in terms exactly. of the order and stuff, yeah. and then. So yeah. Okay. So because Andrew, I, I think there's actually w- we'll flip the coin and I'll talk about what kind of spurred this in a second because it has to do with with one team in particular. Okay. So I'll flip the coin. You can call it in the air. Okay. Sounds good. 
Tails. So I will defer. Oh, okay, that's interesting. To you to choose, so you'll choose first in the today, and you'll choose first in the West. Yeah. Okay, it's interesting. Maybe I was thinking too much about the wins pool strategy. Mm. I think having the first in the East is a huge strategic advantage to okay. racking up the most wins because I'm taking the Milwaukee Bucks, who I think could end up having by far the most wins in the league. Now, mm. who kn- the, 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 it's no, there, there's no guarantee. And by the way, the Bucks are not my pick to come out of the Eastern Conference. The Philadelphia 76ers are. Okay. But I do think the Bucks are built for regular season success. And I think there's a possibility that the Bucks kind of end up taking a, a fairly big lead in the East in terms of games, and while the Western Conference is more compressed. So I'm very happy that you deferred and kind of gave me the opportunity to pick the Bucks because I so think they could end up. I think they could end up having the most wins in the league. Mm. All right, so let's talk about the Bucks yeah. then. Um, oh, I wanted to just give a couple stats preliminary as okay. we go through every team. I, I kept track of a couple things. Got so it. the Bucks have the highest over-under in the league as per the Westgate Sportsbook. They're projected for 58 wins. Last year, they were third in offensive efficiency and first in defense. Yeah, I think the Bucks are... They are built for the regular season. I, I don't really foresee too much changing for them as they won um, as from... La- er, from last year, um, I guess the only thing is like the Malcolm Brogdon thing. Mm-hmm. That loss to me is gonna be key in terms of does Eric Bledsoe show his playoff self where he struggled mightily to the point where he couldn't basically stay on the court, um, and maybe that's just like purely a playoff thing, um, or and and does that mean they're in turn going to be missing Malcolm Brogdon in that role. Yeah, no, that is a that was probably my biggest concern as well, but the way I kind of answered it was I I wrote this on my thing. I'm not happy about them losing Brogdon, but I think it's more of a playoffs problem than a regular season problem. Right, right, right. Brogdon actually missed a fair amount of time last season. That's I think true. that's an important thing to consider as it pertains to like how they'll deal with the loss of him this year. I think he missed at least 20-something games So they and were fairly successful without him. So I think they know how to play without them. And, you know, when I'm thinking about the Bucks, I'm thinking about Giannis. But when it comes to, like, Bledsoe and, like, Lopez and the ancillary players, you know, Wesley Matthews, who will probably be filling the role to some extent, mm-hmm. I'm thinking – I'm I'm kind of coming back to the system. I'm coming back to Bud and that that offense – and the efficiency it has could Brogdon affect their defense maybe but I don't see them dropping out of like the top three defensively Mm. there's maybe an argument to be made that like that last year was their breakout year and maybe the league figures them out a little bit more but yeah I I I don't know I I still see them at the very least in the east at I don't see anyone night in and night out winning as as me- as much as they do this I, this year. And uh, to give like the Bucks a like a fair point in terms of Gian- does Giannis take another of step course. up in his development yeah. kind of mitigating what yeah. they lost in yes. in Brogdon and maybe he, there's more on his plate and yep. it's kind of ridiculous to think that he could do more but if he could shoot like he had shown that he could towards the end of last season sh- shown the willingness to take some threes 
And if he's a little bit more consistent there at a higher volume, then it's just like at that point, he's unstoppable. Mm -hmm. And he was pretty much unstoppable without an outside jump shot last year. So if he can show any semblance of a jump shot this coming year, then I think he mitigates a lot of the things that they lost. Yeah. um, Yeah. in Brogdon. For sure. I picked kind of a most intriguing pe- player for every team. Mm-hmm. And I picked Giannis, and it seems like a no-brainer, but it's for those points you mentioned. It sh- it really, despite he was the MVP last year, but it's not cons- – I don't think we've seen his uh, his ceiling yet by any means. The shooting, as as you mentioned, I- is part of it. Um so I, I agree that, that that's, a, that's a place for growth. And, an, and another thing I wanted to point out, uh, they lost Nikola Mirotic, who like didn't probably end up making as much as an impact as they would have hoped he would. But they're still they're under the cap. That's kind of uh, what that Brogdon, not making that Brogdon deal right, afforded right. them. And I criticized it at the time. But once again, I think it's kind of more of a playoff issue. But the thing to point out... Uh, I think is also that this is a team that actually can get better via trade. Like, I don't think it'll necessarily be a major trade. Like, I don't think they're trading for Kevin Love or something. But like a rotation. But I think they'll piece. make. Yes, yeah. I think they could. They they're primed to to add something at the trade deadline. So I I I don't think they're they'll they'll necessarily flatline this season. And you never know about some of the buyout guys, especially yeah. being attracted to playing with one of the better chances that this team is going to have coming out of the East, uh, pop possibly representing the East. And uh, this team leads the league in Lopez's this year with, with two. So two of them. So that'll be fun. Robin, can you, can you foresee both of them playing? No, out on the court wasn't the that same? Bill Simmons yep. who said that on the, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I don't I, see <laughs> it happening. I'd either. love to, I'd love to see it just, just from the perspective of there being two. I put the, uh, the, the low pie playing at the same time would, right. would be incredible, but uh, I, I don't think it'll happen too much. All right. So let's move on. Okay. With the number two pick, I have the Sixers. It, yeah. I don't think there's a surprise there. No. Um, it, I think, Maybe Milwaukee's like a little bit of maybe like a half step above Philly. Um, Yeah, I there there's a couple things. I think I think according to Westgate, it was fifty four and a half. Oh, I have fifty five, but fifty four and a half, fifty five wins for the Sixers. I think they'll probably be around fifty six ish wins, especially with some of the struggles that the East is going to have this year, just Mm -hmm. depth wise. Um, I'm, I, I guess my one worry for the Sixers is the depth concern. Sure. Um, they lost JJ Redick. I mean, they re- replaced him with like Josh Richardson. Um, they have some guys that like, I don't know if the fit's going to work like Tobias Harris, um, Joel and, um, why my, why, uh, Al Horford, if that, if those three guys can play together and space the court enough, and I don't know like how that's gonna work um, defensively as well. Like, is Tobias Harris guarding threes? Like, I don't. I I'm not sure. They're huge offensively on their yeah. front line, but I'm I'm a little bit concerned about that and their depth. Um, and that's probably one of the biggest concerns. Like, out of like Zaire Smith. Um, like who's gonna like step up for them like yeah. as their sixth man? So I I agree with that. Let me kind of we were pretty much in sync in like the things we were thinking about for sure. I uh-huh. also had them second for the record. 
Um, they were seventh in offense last year, 14th in defense. I think they're going up from 14th in defense. I think Butler and Josh Richardson are, are similar defenders, and I think I think the addition of of you're basically like replacing Horford with Reddick in a way, and although that poses sure whatever problems you might think it poses, I just think defensively they're going to have so much light. I, I don't think it will be as much of an issue as people mm. are thinking about. I think Richardson can... I think Richardson can defend point guards for the most part, and you stick Simmons on whoever a three or a you know a, a, a wing th- or something. Yeah, and you pay, you put Tobias on the worst player, regardless of what position mm. they play, basically. Yeah. Uh, but we'll see. Uh, but the thing I wanted to point, I'm actually more concerned offensively mm, because it okay. just like where's the focal point might might like take who? some time to yeah. I I mean I mean last year it was Butler for yeah. for the most part. I, like you had the ability to like remember uh, like you had the ability to kind of just go to Butler and and have him once they got him and score in isolation. Yes, you're right, and and beat also, but um, without JJ Redick, like that post up game just just kind of fitting the pieces around that will mm, possibly take yeah. some time. But I wanted to point out a couple things. Um. Maybe they take some time to figure things out, be it that offensive or defensively, but they can afford to in the Eastern Conference. Mm. They're, I think, and it's a question I wanted to ask you later, but I think they're by far, the Bucks and the Sixers are in a class above everyone else. I would argue that the Bucks, like if I were tiering it, I would say like Bucks are in the first tier on their own, Sixers are in the second tier on their own, and then you pretty much have, have the rest of give the playoff teams, a couple, basically. Yeah, yeah. Give, give or take one or two, maybe. Mm-hmm. But, like, they should, they even if they st- have some struggles, I think they're still going to win games in the Eastern Conference. Mm. Um, I think they're going to be able to load manage this team very easily. Embiid and Horford, you know what I mean? You can yep. you can rest Embiid and just start Horford at center and vice versa. And I think oh, you could argue that having both Embiid and Horford and you know, kind of actually might make make the bench stuff easier because, like, you can just play Horford at backup center. Like, you can stagger these mm. guys in a way where you're kind of distributing them better so that there's always some form of playmaking on the floor as opposed to having, like, you know, whoever, whoever run the show. But I agree they need someone to pop. Is that Zaire Smith? Is that Matisse Thibault? You know, is that Trey Burke? Like, the... I think actually, look when you look at their roster, they are more deep than they were at the end of last year. But mm. the, but the point still remains: like you got to get some sort of production off the bench. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I'm. It's they're all improving guys. I think. Yeah. In the NBA, and that's the worry for me. If I'm like a Sixers fan, like that's the only worry. And God forbid, like it's not like Embiid's kind of shown like he's the healthiest guy mm-hmm. either. Yeah. So if he goes down, that kind of just lowers the ceiling even more um so that's probably the wor- biggest worry choosing them second um and then we didn't even mention re- uh simmons at all in terms of whether yeah. or not is all the video stuff that's been circulating this summer like we were talking sh- about workout culture i last know week. Is simmons is a nice it's not it's a slightly different variety because it's like the scrimmage scrimmage life right but, right uh, yeah, yeah yeah is is that for real? Like, is his outside shot for real this year? If or it is, great, but I don't think it has to be for mm. them for them to be successful. I think I'd rather see him be, like, a better playmaker than, like, be shoot 40% from three. Like, I think yeah. that's a more realistic goal for yep, my Yep, totally. And he doesn't need to do 
like with the amount of talent in that starting lineup, he doesn't need to do too much, honestly. Yeah. Like, you know, throw the ball into Embiid and like let Tobias Harris like Tobias Harris is a pretty decent offensive player. Like they can run a lot of interesting stuff and and exploit a lot of mismatches with their length, I think offensively. Um, but in terms of how they're going to be able to get those shots is going to be interesting and being able to space the floor, like you mentioned, without Redick. So I, I have the number we two. Mo- I, before we move on, I just wanted to point out, I want to try and hit these little marks I did. I think for the average NBA plant fan, like I wanted to point out, like my player to watch on this team is Josh Richardson. Just mm. like I think it'll be he's been like very beloved around the league especially in cer- certain circles good defender good shooter a little bit of playmaking ability like i think he can actually be the ball handler in pick and roll situations and he will do that for this team and uh i wouldn't be surprised if like you know now that he he never really has i guess i'm th- one of his heat teams made the playoffs but like ha- Seeing him, like, with good players around him, I think will possibility allow his strengths to shine in mm. a way. Uh, and I think as us on the East Coast haven't – Miami's on the East Coast too. But, like, being in, you know, primetime games and stuff like that, I think we'll all get a chance to get a better – the average ABA, NBA fan will get a chance to get a better look at him. Totally. So moving on to pick number three. So, Andrew, who do you have for So three? I think three is an interesting spot, like – I, I was considering making a reach here, but I'm sticking with Westgate's kind of projected projected win leader, uh, the Boston Celtics. Possibly okay. at my own peril, I took them last year. They are projected for 49.5 wins uh, on Westgate. Uh, eighth in offense last year, sixth in defense. I think their offense should be around around I around the same. I don't see it getting too too much worse with that. Either it's definitely a downgrade from Kyrie to Kemba. But the fact that they were first, they were eighth on offense despite like all the talk about kind of their their shortcomings last year is, is interesting, and I think that's sustainable. I think the bigger problem is the loss of Al Horford to Cantor, Robert Williams yeah. land. Yeah, which. I feel like people have kind of not talked about as much, but I think it's one of those things where like it's 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 a problem, and like in the playoffs, it would certainly be a problem if if they can't find someone at that position. But I think they'll have enough to to win, especially in the Eastern Conference, uh, a, a fairly good amount of nights. Now it's an interesting question: Would I take over that forty nine and a half? I'm not sure, but I think these teams might be pretty bunched up. Mm-hmm. So I decided in this instance to just go with with the highest ceiling kind of as it were. Yeah, I'm a little bit concerned wise. defensively yeah. because Horford was that guy for them that kind of directed everything yeah. f- um, for them defensively and in terms of like calling out coverages and things like that. And I just think that especially with you have to remember these guys are still fairly young like especially the tatum and brown combo they're gonna be playing a ton of minutes and it's not like they didn't play a ton last year but i think they're gonna be a little bit more relied upon and tatum coming into last season was like is he the next superstar and we were taught we we're debating we we're talking about all that stuff like is Tatum gonna take the next step and he didn't really he c- pretty much stayed like where he was yeah. last year um as his rookie year so I think this year is gonna be hugely important for him in terms of whether or not he can kind of answer some of the critics that I think 
maybe a little bit unfairly towards the end of last season were giving him because they were expecting so much out of him. And like the one big quote of like that was ringing in my head when thinking about him was progression is not linear. Yeah. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if he took a pretty big step up. Interesting. Um, that's almost kind of like a gut feeling coming out of nowhere. Sure. Um, but I just think he's going to be able to take a big step up. And I think they'll have a little bit more. I think they're going to want to prove Kyrie and all the critics wrong in terms of, like, counting them out. And, like, I I think this is also a year where, Gor- like, if Gordon Hayward's going to be anything yeah. like pre-injury it's, Gordon yeah. Hayward, this is the year that he's going to show that show those signs if he's nowhere near that then he's not going to approach anything close to to the ability this year but if he's going to show it at all this is the year and i hope he's able to do that and we'll see what ends up happening for them now yeah i mean once again we're at we're in similar head spaces i wanted to answer a few of of your questions i thought i'm in terms of like who can be that defensive stalwart, he doesn't play the same position, but I think Jalen Brown's an interesting candidate mm. here. It's funny, like you were talking about like the Tatum th- progression. I think the Jalen Brown progression is also very interesting. He showed a lot as the year went on. Like there's your your uh, hipster Celtics fan will argue that he was better than Tatum by the end of right, last right, season, right. not necessarily a better player, but. Um, kind of just was was doing more on 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 both ends um so i I'd, I'd be interested to see kind of if he can if he shows himself to be like a true stopper having him and smart might make up for a lot of that possible mm. possible Hor- horford uh loss i mean but at the end of the day if Cantor's playing like a lot of minutes like he gets despite all respect to en- Ennis Cantor. You have one of the biggest Ennis Cantor fans in the world on this on this side. He was nothing but good for the Portland Trailblazers last year. Love that dude. But over a full system, I think it's a uh, full season. I think it's going to bear out that he is is not a plus player to have on your floor due to those defensive limitations. I wouldn't be surprised if if. Um, if Stevens looks to combat that by maybe starting Robert Williams, there's been talks about this and ha- bringing using Canner more as like that kind of like off the bench guy who plays more minutes than the starter. So, so right, that right. that'll be interesting. And I wanted to kind of also so there were two points I wanted to make. One was in in regard to that Jalen Brown thing, who I I had my player to watch. His emergence as a possible trade candidate is interesting, just because he's they have a glut of wings there if they're all decent. When it comes to Tatum, uh, mm-hmm. Hayward, and, and Brown, and I think Brown just seems to be the most likely one to be traded there. So maybe he gets traded for you know Something. a big at, yeah. at at some point down the line. And the other point I wanted to make, kind of broadly, I have this question: like, which is more of a likely storyline this year? Um, like, ooh, we're seeing a Tatum renaissance, or ooh, we're seeing a Brad Stevens renaissance. And I actually picked the Brad Stevens mm. thing yeah. because I do think. It's funny that you were predicting the 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 um the Tatum like leap which yeah. which could happen. But I thought last year we just kind of learned that like oh Tatum's first year a lot of the things that made him incredible as mm. it were were like unsustainable. Like uh he was mm. kind of shooting more like he was having a 
maybe uh, an outlier when it came to his shooting. Yeah, exactly. And it just so happened. Like, I wouldn't. I, I, I would like to see him kind of just improve in other ways. Like, I think getting to the line more would, mm. would be an example yeah. of something. I, to make himself a little bit more of an efficient scorer, I, I don't think a big leap is, is necessary. It's possible, but I, I don't think it's, it's necessary. But I think what Stevens, when you're talking about people with chips on their shoulders, I just felt like his stock took a hit, and maybe he tries to be... And Kyrie was a limita- limitation in that factor. A lot of people were kind of saying, like, they couldn't really run that like innovative Stevens offense stuff because Kyrie just wants to run pick and roll. Now you've replaced him in a point guard with Kemba, who mostly has ran pick and roll in, right. in his yeah. career. So, you know, you have a slight problem there, but maybe Kemba's more likely to buy into to the Stevens more mojo willing, yeah. as it is. So I'd be interested to see see that as well. Like if we see like a good Steven season, whatever that means. Yeah, I think for the Tatum stuff, it's more like I was saying before, just like a gut feeling. I yeah. don't think it's like no, really fair. based off of anything that we saw last year. It's more just I think he's gonna he's learned a little bit well, more. Well you're in arguing terms of like that he was hampered by Kyrie to some extent in the in a little implicit bit. in that, right? Yeah, I think a little bit and he's gonna kinda take a bit more of the scoring load because of that and he's not he's gonna have the ball in his hands a little bit more i hope he gets to the line a little bit more um like you were saying before um and i think he takes a nice step up maybe not like a huge mega leap but like a nice step in his development um that's just kind of my thinking looking at it um and i think like the kemba thing because he's basically like what Kyrie was i think I think it's kind of interesting kind of hearing people's opinions on Kemba uh, in comparison to Kyrie. Um, Kemba had, like, an amazing season last year, but... Yeah, he was all yeah, NBA. Yeah, he was all NBA. Um, so it's not like he... Like, maybe if you just look at the stats, you don't think they're taking that much of a step down, but just in terms of, like, the elite creator or the elite, I guess, like, getting your shot guy that Kyrie is Kemba doesn't necessarily have that skill um to that I guess degree but I think from a regular season point of view like he's gonna be able to do a decent amount of what Kyrie did yeah and uh, of course Kemba hasn't really had that much talent around him so Mm -hmm. it's a possible that having better guys about him can unlock some things in his game that we haven't been able to see so far yeah totally so let's move on to pick number four. I'm interested in seeing where you'll go here because this and is the. F- would think you have taken the Celtics third? I would have wondering. taken them. I would have taken them third. I think fourth is really tough. Yeah. I think it's between three teams: Toronto, Indiana, and Brooklyn. I'm interested in seeing where you're going. And there's a lot of stuff. Like I was thinking about Toronto, and then I ultimately decided no. I was thinking about Brooklyn, and. I'm not gonna choose Brooklyn. I'm actually going with Indiana. Okay, fourth. Westgate. Um, Westgate. That would that would be the choice. They're projected for 47 and a half, which is above both the Raptors and the Nets. I will say here, I had them in my little power rankings below both of those teams. Interesting. For the second year in a row, I'm a little bit of a Pacers skeptic. I have them six. That doesn't mean I I think they're bad. Mm-hmm. But so you, they were 18th in offense last year, third in defense. And we talked last week, Victor Oladipo, possibly. It seems like we won't see him until at least Christmas. So with all that in mind, why did you pick them? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. So I mean, once yeah, again, this is the consensus choice. Well, but. 
I, I, I want to hear your case. I th- I think the worry obviously is Oladipo's not and like post Oladipo injury, they weren't that great of a team. And yeah. that was like what when you said that last week, that was ringing in my in my ear as I was like trying to decide between these three teams who I would choose. The one I would say thing that I'm like I'm pretty high on Brogdon. Yeah. Like for whatever you I, I figured you were yeah. gonna say like based yeah, because on of you, how my right, right. Brogdon, yeah. And I just think he not that he can do what Oladipo did, but I'm I just like how he fits within that team and he can maybe give you seventy five to eighty percent of what Oladipo did in, in that similar role and when Oladipo comes back, I think they're able to continue Rolling, they did lose a couple guys, which um, Bogdanovich is like yeah. that's a concern, um, because he was pretty important in their rotation. But I really like what Brogdon kind of brings to the scene. This is basically my all right, Malcolm Brogdon. Like here you go. Like yeah. I'm pretty much putting my trust in you for trying to bring me home this season. Um, and choosing you fourth, I just. And I guess looking at the other teams, that was Toronto and my Nets. Like, I was just a little bit, like, worried about some of the other things there. And especially because this is, like, a regular season thing, I think Indiana kind of really goes for it in the regular season in comparison to, like, Toronto, who's an older team, that they're going to rest a lot of of their guys, I believe, knowing that I think their rest is more important for them in comparison to, like, having a good playoff seed. And for the Nets, like, we'll get to my Nets concerns later as a Nets fan, but um, I'm just a little bit worried about some of the things going around that team right now. So that's kind of how I decided and came to the conclusion in choosing Indiana. Yeah. So, uh, and you know what? It's kind of interesting. I had Brogdon's playmaking question mark as a potential answer to that question uh just to some i i kind of alluded to it and you've alluded to it but i'm pretty concerned about what this offense is going to look like without victor oladipo and you know he'll be back eventually but it's at least two months probably Mm -hmm. without him and when he comes back he's not going to be a hundred percent either so to me like when i'm looking at a wins pool i'm like that's at least two maybe three months of to me, I think without him they're a 500 club. Mm. So do I? Re- you really want to be starting in that deficit when right. it comes to a wins pool thing? Um, I and especially with the, uh, the loss of Bogdanovich, I think you uh, undersold it a little bit because the thing is, when Oladipo wasn't there, he was arguably their primary scorer, at mm-hmm. least like with the starters. Then you had Sabonis coming in and cooking bench units, which was proved to be pretty offensively efficient. But, you know, they're not only are they going to be without Oladipo, they're going to be without the guy who was kind of helping to, to take over some of the load without Oladipo. So I think the point you make is a good one, that if it's going to be something, it's probably going to be Brogdon emerging as more of like a true one, which he hasn't really played in his career because he's oh, he's been next to Bledsoe the majority mm-hmm. of the time although he certainly has that capability in him so that'll be interesting and then once Oladipo comes back him and brought the uh, the oppor- the idea to play them both together great defensive backcourt and a lot of playmaking in that backcourt as well um they'll be pretty deep I think that's that's something to to 
kind of put in their favor. And I think they're a semi-nice sleeper. I think they do have a high ceiling. Like, if they were mm-hmm. third in the East, I, I wouldn't, wouldn't necessarily be, be surprised. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the, it just that I, I, I possibly see them being a team that kind of, like, is better at the end of the season than they were at the beginning, which is why I'm a little bit lower on them mm-hmm. with you. The other thing I wanted to point out real quick, my player to watch is DeMontis Sabonis. They're the Pacers. They The Pacers, uh, the loss of Thaddeus Young is kind of underrated to me as well. Mm. And I think taking these losses in totality um, kind of led to me being a little bit lower on them. He... It, like meters out as one of the better defense like most underrated defensive players in the year in in the year (laughs) in in the the league so you know if this team drops from third to you know 10th on defense and their offense stays at the same you kind of become in a you kind of end up being in a lower tier in the league once you once you get to like 10th on defense 18th in offense versus being in the top five so to circle back to Sabonis um, he's replacing Thaddeus Young in the starting lineup. There's a lot of talk that Sabonis and Miles Turner, who we haven't even really mentioned, he can was they a play defensive together? player right, right. of the year candidate last year. Yeah, can they play together? And he, if he's a legit starting four, especially offensively, because once again, he was able to score very efficiently as a backup five, but as a starting four, just the spacing where you're getting your where you're you know where where the your shot profile is coming from is, is going to be different. So does that work? Does that not work? And if it doesn't work, is he a trade candidate? Because I, I think if he's not a starting caliber four, this front offense starts to look at these two players as as overlapping in ways where their value might be kind of like eating each other. Yeah, and I think that's like going to be one of the interesting storylines. Like I think they'll try to test it out and see yeah. like, is this a long-term fit? And if it's not, we got to trade Sabonis probably. Yeah. And, like, what are they going to trade him for? I think the one guy that – for and this was someone that I was forgetting about, uh, TJ Warren, yeah. in terms of what he can provide too. And, and I think, like, it's kind of this like for like TJ Warren. Hopefully he can kind of produce some of what Bogdanovich yeah. produced last year. And then Brogdon is coming in you know, for for Oladipo to start. And I think it'll work out nicely. Um, like, Jeremy Lamb got signed. Like, not that he's anything special, but I could tell... Yeah, to- Lamb's a nice... That's what... Their right, depth, right. they have a lot of guys, which, which you have to tally in their favor right, and, right. and will be important. You can make that argument that they'll replace Oladipo by committee right, that right. they didn't necessarily have last and year. And I just think, like, I could totally see a lot of the a lot of the stuff happening where Sabonis does maybe not come off the bench but he does play with those bench guys and like Warren moves to the four yeah, um and I that think I think very possible that's like a huge possibility Jeremy Lamb slides into the into like the lineup as like one of those wing guys so I I don't know if they switch that much it's more of whether or not they're going to be able to come together with some of the new guys um but yeah I I'm just a little bit high I, it's not even necessarily that I'm higher on Indiana in comparison to Toronto or Brooklyn, but it was just kind of my thinking, like, I'm going to get two out of these three teams, like, if I do the math correctly. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm going to get two out of these three teams. So, like, I, I'd i rather have Indiana and then one of the other guys. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense, and I think it was in it, we've just valued them in different ways. I was a little bit more concerned about the kind of, like, 
the replacements, whereas you kind of saw their overall probably seal or saw less volatility would probably mm. be a good way yep. to describe it. Yeah. Because the team I'm going to take is one that I think has a fairly high ceiling, but that you could argue has more volatility volatility. It's not the Nets, it's the it's the Toronto Raptors. Okay. I'm taking the Raptors here. Forty six projected wins from Westgate are Projected isn't the right word, but 46 is the over-under from Westgate. Mm -hmm. Sixth in offense last year, fourth in defense. I think this team has been weirdly written off, like, in Mm. some ways. And I think it's important to look at those fundamental pieces of, like, Lowry, Siakam, and Gasol and say, like, I look at those three players and I like those three players better than any three players on the Pacers. Like, I arguably Mm. like them better than any three players on the Celtics. Mm. Um... And I, I think that's important important to kind of look at when you're looking at regular season wins, especially when you consider that in comparison with the continuity this this team will now have. So they were good without – they lost Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard is one of the best players in the NBA. But they were good without Ka- Leonard. Their win-loss was good. He played, like I think, like 70 – 60 to 70 games. I, I think don't he played know. 65. Yeah, I, 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 yeah. I think I ended up going 60 to 70 because <laughs> I thought it was 65. But, you know, in those other games, they had a good win-loss record and their metrics were still very good. So I'm relying on that to some extent. Lowry got extended for one year, 32 or 31, 31 million. Yeah. Um, that doesn't really mean anything like he could still get traded, but I'm just not sure. I think a lot of people are like underrating the Raptors just based on this present, this idea that like Masai Ujiri is this cold calculating, you know, mm. like not, that's not the right way to say, it, but like he won't hesitate to dump everybody. Danny Ainge. And maybe yeah. that's, th- and maybe like at the end of the day, he's going to do what's best. He got his ring and maybe he'll like look towards the next thing I think is, mm. is the way people are describing it. And I think that's possible, but I don't think he's just going to do it for no reason, especially because I think they're pretty good. If this team's in the top four of the East, is anyone that scared of the Bucks? you know, where they're going to uh, like you know what I mean? They're going to pull the parachute when they're like fourth or fifth in the East. Like if right. they're seventh or eighth, maybe. But but if if this team looks okay, I don't think he's going to dump anyone. And the other point I wanted to make is like, is he really going to? If you I if they blow it up, I think it's because they trade everybody. I think it's because they trade Lowry and then they look to move whatever. Yeah. I don't think they're just he's Gasol and Abaka are now expirings, and I don't think he's just gonna like cannibalize a good season to trade the those two expirings for like what like a first and two seconds or something. Yeah, you know. So in picking this in picking the Raptors, I'm just looking at their pool of talent and liking it more than some of the other teams in the in this tier and wondering if maybe there's a kind of course correction to the current narrative surrounding them yeah it's actually kind of funny that like when you were talking like i had very similar points like in terms of i think a lot of people are underrating this team like if you look at the players going down like you know they can play in a in a final series and like like look at kyle lowry norm powell's gonna get minutes Ananobi, who didn't even play in the right, playoffs, right. really. An- Ananobi didn't play. Siakam's the key guy in terms of whether or not he's the one that steps up. But Gasol, Ibaka, Van and Vliet. then Van Vliet. Like that's like the start of something that is really, really decent. Um, 
and I wouldn't be surprised. Like, if I had them in a playoff series, I'd be pretty scared of them. But yeah. over the course of a long season, yes. and I think that was my thinking in choosing Indiana over them, is I think they're kind of this veteran team now that is just like, we don't really care too much like where we finish in the playoff race. And I was a little concerned about Masai and like that whole narrative of whether or not they're going to trade some of these guys and offload like the expirings that you mentioned in Gasol and Abaka because of their championship pedigree and maybe one of these desperate teams that's in the playoff race kind of overpays for one of them because of their playoff experience. Yeah. Um, but in a in a playoff series, I would be pretty scared. Like even against Milwaukee, who's probably the best team, I would still be pretty scared yeah. of Toronto. Agreed. Um, but maybe over the course of like in this exercise over this court over the in during this game that we're playing, uh, drafting these teams, I don't see it long term over a season. So yeah, I just wanted to kind of. I, uh, one thing I wanted to add to the concerns you raised is, like, injury possibility. Mm -hmm. How many games are Lowry, um, Gasol, and Ibaka actually going to play, like, if any of them miss extended time? Not Ibaka necessarily, but I think if Lowry or Gasol miss extended time, it's possible that that, that does real damage to kind of their their win-loss. I'm, I'm not completely sure if, like, see if Van Vliet had to start, like, 15 games would they be that much worse I'm, I'm not even really sure but you know I I think if things start to the possibility with this team as compared to like the Raptors um compared to the Pacers like if things start to snowball and they start to fall out of it the possibility for complete teardown is there where it's not necessarily possible right, right. The Pacers um but at the point I also wanted to make my my player to watch on this team is Pascal Siakam because mm -hmm. maybe we're sitting here halfway through the season and going, shit, Pascal Siakam took, like, a huge leap. He's, yeah. like, an all-star. He's one of the best players in the East. And I, I think that's, like, I'm not completely, I don't think this team is capped because there's a possibility that there's, there's a leap from him. I'm not saying that there's a 35% chance of it even happening, but there's, like, a 15% chance. And yeah, I, like, I think that I that's think worth that something that's the great unknown whether or not he's going to be able to step up and he's sh offensively offensively especially. he's shown so much like in his all-around game in yeah. terms of improvement that it's exciting to think that he can be better than what he's shown and like i'm curious to see like like out of like the three wing guys that they have ananobi stanley johnson and um hollis jefferson like whether or not one of those guys like Ananobi's kind of showed that he can play a little bit and be this spot starter in their lineup, but I wonder if one of those three guys can like make kind of like some type of improvement. Johnson's hasn't shown much <laughs> yeah. at all, but I think like it's got to be encouraging to see like Siakam's development under under their system, and that can maybe be one of those things that. I guess like a player like Johnson or Hollis Jefferson looks towards and says, "Hey, maybe I can make some of those leaps and bounds in my game." Yeah. Um. Maybe not over this year, but over the course of a couple seasons. Uh. So yeah, I I'm pretty. I actually like this Toronto team. I it's just one of those things that I'm a little worried about some of those factors that I listed before. 
Okay, so I pretty much left it wide open for yep. you. Are you are you walking through that door? Yeah, I I mean I have to take them. Yeah, I don't. So I I think you have to also. I don't want. Did you have them ranked above or below a uh, below Toronto? I'm item intri- below Toronto, so okay. item f- sixth, right? Yeah, yeah. So item sixth. Um, yeah, I'm. I don't feel good about this Brooklyn team. Wow. I just don't. Wow. Like, all the excitement. So you know, okay. this was one of my questions. So they were projected for, and I think you can answer this. They were projected for. F- uh, we have an over under of forty four as per Westgate. Nineteenth in offense, thirteenth in defense. Kevin Durant. W- I think both of us are assuming he's going to be a non factor this season. He's out in for this making season. these predictions. Yep. And my question was like, is this team more likely to be the three seed or the seven seed? And do you, what what what's your answer to that question? I hope the three seed, but, yeah, but like y- it's like you say I, when you say you don't feel good about this team. I guess what is what does that mean? Because versus their expectations, I me- guess meaning their chances to come out of the East. Like what what does that help I'm wor- me understand? What, that what I'm worried, bit. I think you kind of hit it on the head about with the second thing that you mentioned was I'm worried about the expectations kind of getting to this team mm-hmm. and being like. All right, here's a bunch of primetime games you're going to be playing because Kyrie and, you know, KD is going to be on the bench, but KD's on this team and we want to like showcase this team. And I'm a little like especially from last year because there were this like nice underdog story with like everyone av- around the league loves watching them play. They're this cute kind of story the, as these upstarts um with D'Angelo Russell and I just have a like, there's just things about, like, the PED suspension to Wilson Chandler. While, like, I don't know if he was going to play that much, like, that's the thing. Like, Karooks, he ends up getting, like... Yeah, that's bad. Like, we... Yeah, that's, like, the whole legal situation with, like, an assault with his girlfriend. Like, that's a concern, too, if he ends up missing any games. And, like, you know, all that type of stuff is just, like... I just... Like, the way it started, like, the offseason, I was like, yes, Kyrie, Katie, of course, we were happy. But as the offseason's kind of gone on, like, there's been more concerns about just, like, bad juju and energy around this team that I'm a little bit concerned about. And, like, we still have the whole Kyrie Irving, like, questions looming whether or not he's, like, an actually actually a good leader or not and whether or not he's going to be able to lead this team um i'm not saying that i would rather have d'angelo russell because i think Kyrie's a better player it's just i i just really like that team last year and i don't know if this team is going to be able to meet the expectations from last so like the number was a what 44 44 they're pretty much like I'd probably have them one game under at forty three and thirty nine, but like I wouldn't be surprised if they go or uh, better than that because of like someone like Harris Levert stepping up, and that's like the one big X factor I would say for this season. If he's able to show anything like what he did pre injury um, last year, then I think it changes some of the dynamics of this team. So you hit like on four out of my five bullet points. I had my player to watch as Levert, and I, 
I said I'm honestly more interested in his progression than how Kyrie is going to fit in. Mm. But I think that ties into the, I'm not sure if the expectations are really there. Look at that line. Look at that 44. Like, I understand what you're saying about more of a spotlight being on them and then being less of a feel-good story. Completely agreed. But I think at the end of the day, people realize that, like, this isn't the end product. Mm. That Kevin Durant is coming next year and that... um, and that no one's really picking this team to come out of the East. There's like a mar- there's like a material difference between like Kyrie and the Celtics last year and and Kyrie and the Nets this year. And you know, you talked about gut feelings. I wrote this. Just a gut feeling. Like I'm optimistic that the chemistry stuff will be fine and that Kyrie will be fine. Like I think he just cannot be stupid enough to like and that's kind of the I was talking about the outsider. I always have the good it's completely fine, but like the outside expectations are fine, but like if this team has inflated expectations for himself, and if Kyrie Irving has ex- inflated expectations like Eastern for Conference himself, finals, then yeah. it can be a problem. Hmm. But I think I just feel kind of optimistic about it, given all those things. And I just have a, I feel like Kyrie's not going to do this two years in a row. Maybe I'm. He can't. There's I, a famous right? like there's he a, can. But I know it's just that gut feeling. Like there's really no evidence that that he. As to what he's, which way he's gonna go, like it, there's this famous uh, scene in The Simpsons where Sideshow Bob, like he steps on a rake and it hits him in the head, mm-hmm. and he like reacts, and then he like walks and steps on another rake. Like maybe we're just Sideshow Bob stepping into the rake, but I feel okay about it. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I like all the pieces. So like, I wanted to, I, I wanted like to bring up two pieces to you. Uh-huh. I have two questions. Is this a bold prediction? Jared Allen ends up starting more games than DeAndre Jordan. No. That's not a bold prediction? Like, you think it's... I think that's, like, in the realm of possibility. I think Atkinson's going to end up playing the young guys yeah. for the most part, and that gives me hope to some extent also. Like, I think Atkinson, he's going to have more of a, a task in, like, managing this team, mm-hmm. but I think the young talent's going to win out. And, I, and I'm excited to see another player I mentioned here is Torian Prince. Mm-hmm. Like, let's get Torian Prince in this Nets player development system and, like, see what they can do. Yeah. Like, if he's a bona fide starting four next to, like, you know, Lavert Harris and, like, mm-hmm. you know, I once again, I think it'll end up being Jared Allen probably. I, I I still I, I like that lineup a lot. Like yeah. it, it, if it if it hits its strides and I think we've talked about that to some extent. Like I think once you start the kind of point I was trying to get at with you as an outsider's perspective, I think once you kind of dig past some of the surface level like um concerns, there's a lot of like interesting stuff below the surface it's just like does that noise drown out everything else yeah like Dinwiddie's still there too like that like they have all these interesting pieces that I fell in love with last year and they added to that with like Prince who I was going to bring up as well it's just I I just hope like the Kyrie like stuff doesn't torpedo any of the any of like the good like feels that I had as a Nets fan last year. Yeah. Season. So that's just like But yeah. to some extent I think that's like it is a basketball question, but that's just like a fan question to some extent too. Mm. You know what I mean? It's like that with you traded in the homegrown whatever for these this other thing. And, you know, if you talk to a Toronto fan like Sometimes it works, like it works out sometimes. You know what I mean? It's just kind of that weird philosophical question. 
Mm-hmm. But so whether it bears out on the basketball side, who knows? Yeah. Well. Yeah, I I guess it's my kind of pessimism of like all my sports teams disappointing me sure. lately. So it's uh so that's kind of kind of seeping through here. Um, but I hope I'm wrong about some of the things that I said. If Karis LeVert turns out to be Sam Darnold, I will be oh extraordinarily my. sad. Darnold's coming back this <laughs> week, so we'll see. Um, but yeah, yeah, it'll be pretty sad if that he gets mono or something like that. So hopefully LeVert's able to to kind of show what he's got and I think it's a huge season for him because he was on such a nice like progression and that injury really stunted that and I hope he can he can kind of get up get on track and he showed a little bit of that in that playoff series so I think um I'm really like looking out for him and hopefully he's able to kind of take uh take a step up in his development as well so Andrew who do you have this I think we kind of move into another tier. Yeah. Now, um, kind of going into like I the bottom the n- of the playoff. I um, think the so next two to three teams are are in in a tier together. Right. It's an interesting. Yep. Probably two here. Yeah. I agree. Um, I'm taking the Miami Heat next. Westgate mm-hmm. has them at forty four and a half. I don't. I think we are moving into another tier, but like I wouldn't be surprised if the Heat or the Magic were were the four seed. Mm. Um. And in taking the heat here, they have actually a higher l- over-under line than, than the Nets do, so maybe I'm getting some value here. Um, last year, they were 26th in offense, 7th in defense. And to me, it's like, can they can Jimmy Butt, having Jimmy Butler bring them up to the middle of the league in, in, in offense? Uh, I think Those that's possible nights. if they move to... Yeah, exactly. If they move to 15th in offense or, like, 18th in offense, like, they're probably a six seed, and, and I get some value here. Um, Whiteside's probably addition by subtraction. I'm not saying he can't be good on the Trailblazers, but I think for this team, it'll it'll be... It'll, it'll probably work out to their benefit. And I'm actually looking forward to watching this team. Like, as I look up and down the roster, I'm just seeing guys who, I, who I'm who i excited about. I'm like, oh, Bam Adebayo. Like, I'm interested in seeing what he'll do as, like, a starting center, you know, kind of things. Oh, Dion Waiters, like, coming back at full strength and in good shape. Like, that, that'll that be interesting. I think they're just a solid team with, with some upside from Butler. Obviously, what he brings from a from a chemistry standpoint is, is a possible issue but i look at this as a team that's kind of like and a million people have said this we've probably said it like this is like a team built for what he seems to want like this is jimmy's team mm-hmm. so there's there's no threat to that i mean there's the threat of like myers leonard fucking up and him like <laughs> screaming at him and like myers yep. leonard's confidence being completely ruined but like in uh, his ability to like completely detonate this team i i'm not sure it would be really disappointing if like he gets eric's bolster fired or something but like i see those things as as a little bit that's not hap- that's not happening i don't think Spo, Spo gets fired. no i know yeah, i'm yeah. i'm just like trying to think of worst case scenarios one other point i wanted to make and then and then i'll get your reaction on this Every, I, everyone's going to talk about chris paul uh but i and I've heard a lot of compelling arguments that OKC isn't going to get off him for no reason. Like, they're not just going to dump him. Dump him. Mm-hmm. So the Heat don't really have much to offer. I'm not – the point I was trying to make is, like, I'm not factoring in a Chris Paul trade into, like, my value of them here. But it's important to remember that Pat Riley's always looking to win and improve, and they will always be be a player in that realm. So 
kind of a, in the heat. I see a, a solid team. I see some roof room for in, for improvement from last year, and and I see a solid playoff team with like a potent like where if they were the four seed, I wouldn't be surprised. Who's the even X, though I don't? Who's your X factor player? I said yeah. I think bam. it's Bam. I think it's Bam. Like him at at the five. Like if he can be a, you know. We we just don't know that much yet, and to be honest, I I've enjoyed watching him just from like a highlights perspective, but I don't know too much uh, about his game. But if he can be like a plus center in the NBA, like I I I think that's huge for them. Yeah, I think for me, like Justice Winslow is going to be interesting yes. for me. Like a lot of what he was doing down the stretch was playing this backup point guard role. Um, yeah, and backing up. Uh, Dragic and then he would kind of play this point forward role and he was pretty competent at doing that so I wonder if Jimmy Butler's 3 30 a.m workouts kind of rub off on him or like and what his development has been like in the course of the NBA because like there's that huge story like coming into the league um, about Boston wanting to trade four first rounders yeah. for him and like he hasn't lived up to that necessarily, but he's really I think he can be a really intriguing player and that's like one of the guys that I'd I'd be looking out for. Sure. Uh, yeah. Tyler Hero is another guy. Once again, when you look up and <coughs> down that roster, I'm just like oh, I I'm interested in a lot of these guys. So. Totally. Would you have had would you have taken him here the heat here also? Yeah, I would have taken the heat here. So I I uh, you mentioned the the next team and I have Orlando um at and I think I have 41 and a half as the this says 42 and a half, but okay. I think that's 42 seems to definitely right be around the right range. Yeah, around there. We mentioned Markel Fultz's extension. I like he's like an ancillary player, yeah, so like for sure. I I don't really want to focus too much on him, but Understandable. basically whatever you can get out of him like is a plus. It's like gravy on top, but they re- retain Vucevic. Um, and there was, like, a lot of concerns whether or not he was going to leave or not. Um, they offered him this big contract. He stays really solid player. Jonathan Isaac, whether or not he's going to be able to materially improve. And Aaron Gordon, like, he's kind of the – I think he's their one key player in terms of whether or not – whether or not he Approaches all star and all star status so, in yeah. Orlando in this I was going, weaker Eastern. I, Conference. I was going to say to handy. This was my. I didn't mean to bust in, but you right, were right. approaching something. I I literally wrote down because I wrote down ho ho hum off season growth will be internal, and I put what's your percentage odds that Aaron Gordon is ever an all star, and I think that informs a lot about like how we should view this team going forward. Yeah, and I think that's. I I would say that's like the uh, like that's the concern not the concern but that's like the hope from this magic front office whether or not Gordon can take the next step and I think for them they really think he can and that's kind of why they've pretty much brought the band back together and are hoping hey this is probably what's like hopefully he's going to be able to take that next step I don't know if he's I th- I don't even know if 
I'm trying to like think about all the East All Stars. Yeah, it's and hard it, to do. It's pretty hard. It's to hard do. to do. Like I, it, I couldn't put a number on it myself. But like the point is, if you think he literally does have a, and beyond the like, just maybe there being so many not enough good players in the East. But if he can be that kind of like, even like. Siakam's a better player than him. Like, if Uh he can even get to where Siakam was last year, like, that kind of level, I just think that's huge for them. So, I... That's like the one guy for them. If what about Isaac? Because I think they have two cracks at the apple. Yeah. I heard this interesting. Zach Lowe was talking about his most intriguing players, and he was saying that people are like Gordon is kind of thought of as the guy, but like if you ask their executives, they're like Isaac's actually maybe mm. the guy. Like that he has this incredible defensive versatility that like maybe he hasn't been able to unlock yet, but like his mental kind of reading of defenses is starting to catch up with, with his physical capabilities. And on offense, like all you have to do is like shoot corner threes and maybe be able to take the ball off the dribble every once in a while. And if you have both of those things, like you're a great four in the in the league. Mm. So I just wanted to point out him. He he was actually my kind of X factor for this team. And Gordon seems like the obvious path, but I don't think it's their only path. Mm. And yeah, I think that's interesting that you pointed out that there's like two cracks at the apple and being, being able to see whether or not they're going to be able to, if Isaac's going to be able to take that step up, like they signed your guy, Al Farouk. Sure. So he's kind of provides that veteran I presence I mean, Mo for Bamba them. was basically nothing worth nothing last nothing, year so yeah. if he can be any sort of positive value there there's something there too possibly yeah, and this is like one and like i wouldn't be surprised if this magic team surprised like the whole like nba like fan like average nba fan that they're like fifth yeah i think i put that too i think they like, could be i think they could easily be i wouldn't be surprised if they got up to, to fifth and i think if they do it's predicated on that kind of growth now at the end of the day their point guard is dj augustine like i think yeah. that puts a limit on on where they can go but in terms of the regular season clifford has kind of shown like put in seemingly an effective system for this team so uh-huh so it, i mean it seems like mark like if Markel Fultz can provide anything yeah. point guard wise, that would be great for this Magic team because then that really rounds out this team, and I think it changes the trajectory of where this Magic team can go. So bef- before we get it, yeah. like actually, why don't we do the top eight teams he- like here? Is this is this your top eight? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. It's my top eight too. I think we might have slightly different orders, but so I wrote because you were texting me earlier today and you were like, "I'm doing my research." Like the East sucks, and I think you're right to some extent. But what I wrote, what I kind of thought as I was going along, like I was doing this, and I said, "I know the West is loaded, and we joke about the East being weak, but I think that's because after this, it, it falls gets off bad. a ton. It gets like bad. I actually think these eight teams like." Sure, the Eastern, co- the top of the Eastern Conference was stronger last year, and sure, compared to the West, the depth is not there. But I think the, and you know, I'm sure one of these teams will end up disappointing horrifically, right. and maybe some other team will take a jump. I don't really see it as we go along, but I think these are eight decent teams and eight teams I will enjoy watching on League Pass. The problem is that in the West. I will also enjoy watching 9 through 14, and I don't think I'd really watch any of these teams save for maybe one. Well, 
and even nine through fourteen in the West has a chance of has making a the chance playoffs. of making the playoffs. Yeah. I just don't foresee any of the teams below these top eight yeah. even having We're like a, seeing a in shot. terms of in terms of the win loss totals, it drops by four and then it drops by five from that yeah. next team. So so we're seeing like yeah, I think we can kind of not, if not speed through this, I just think there's a lot less interesting stuff to talk about. All right, do you want to name your top eight here then? Yeah. Or, or do you want to yeah. just so kind of... I'll, I'll, I'll keep track of this. So okay. I had I had power ranked... Um, uh, sorry. I had the Bucks, mm-hmm. the Sixers. I, I'll write this down in a second. The Bucks, the Sixers, the Celtics, the Raptors, the Nets, the Pacers the heat and the magic in that order yep. so my big deviation is that i had the pacers sixth which is which is kind of like my one weird yeah thing and for me it's milwaukee philly two boston's three yep. i had indiana four yep. then i go toronto brooklyn miami orlando so nothing too different from you other than what we think of Indiana. Literally the, yes, exactly. The only, literally the only things we had differently were that, um, yeah, the ordering of Indiana, Toronto, and, and Brooklyn. Yeah, so. and I think that's where the most variance could kind of come from in terms of, like, where those guys finish. But it's pretty, I, I just kind of, like, think there's, like, the tier system that you're talking about, like, Milwaukee's up top on their own. Maybe a half step below them is Philly, and then below them is Boston. And, and maybe I think third. Boston Raptors, Nets, and Pacers are pretty much in the same tier. Okay, so like, and those then four. I think we can say the Nets and the Heat and Magic are below them, mm-hmm. but we both think they're, we both think they have the potential to be in that yeah. other group. Yeah. Like you could arguably say it's Heat. I'm sorry. You could arguably say it's Bucks, Sixers, and then those next six teams together. Yeah. Like I would not be mad at someone who characterized it that right, way. Right, right. So I wouldn't be surprised. But it seems like we have a pretty similar idea of like how Agreed. this eight I is think, gonna be. And I think when we talked about this podcast, like I think the West has a lot more room for variance. Yeah, there's gonna be some there are surprises. some minor differences here. But like the the logic is similar. Now, once again, last year the logic was that the Celtics were going to be the best team in the East. So and they disappointed. I think we've pinpointed some possible surprises. Are there any of these teams that could surprise in the in the bottom second half? Let's let's go there now. I okay, mean, who are you taking now? I'm uh, taking the Pistons. Okay, with 38 wins over under, 22nd in offense, 12th in defense last year. I'm just so fucking bored of of the Pistons. I was honestly. about to say like like I have barely anything to say. Like I was gonna ask you how do you view the Blake Griffin trade now two and a half years out because I, I was gonna they s- traded Blake Griffin and and filter and filler for for Tobias Harris, Boban, Avery Bradley a first and a second. Like if you're a Pistons fan, like I enjoyed watching Blake Griffin last year. He had one of the best seasons good. of his career. Like. Okay, the questions are like, will Blake Griffin stay healthy? Like, will he be mm. able to maintain his level of production? But even if he does, they're not better than a fucking seven seed. So yeah. who gives a shit? Yeah, it's. I don't like. Are they gonna keep running this back? He's like Red, Reggie, so Blake, and so Drummond. So the that's point I was happening. Blake like, Griffin's on the books until twenty twenty two. So I think the answer is probably yes, unless uh-huh. they trade him. 
And I was thinking about this. Who's going like, to trade? So that's what I was thinking about. I'm like, if I'm the Blazers or something, would I trade for him? Like, maybe, but I'm not giving up that much, given that he's injury prone and on the books until 2022. And that's saying, yo, full respect, we, like, you were a third team All NBA. E- despite that, I still don't think his trade value is that high that's for, for those yeah, reasons. The, and I think that's really the the interesting thing because like he's a, obviously a talented and yes. good player, All NBA type of player, but his trade value is nowhere near the All NBA type of player that he is. So that's and I I don't know like what where like what player would be traded for him that would be acceptable going both ways. Yeah. Like, I don't know what Detroit would want for Blake. It would be something like the Blazers flipping him for Whiteside, like flipping for a huge expiring contract, basically, and, like, other stuff. stuff. But, but I feel yeah. like that kind of a... Just, like, an expiring type of deal. Yeah. Yeah. I Because yeah. that's the, that would be the, the pro for, for the Pistons. You give them an out. But... I, the way this team is operated, they seem to have shown no interest in doing that. Yeah, they seem they we want to be complacent and we want to try and make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe you'll do that this year. Probably not. Like, enjoy. Derrick Rose, anything? Sure. I put my player to watch as Luke Kennard because I'm, like, looking at this roster and saying, like, okay, how can they get better? And it's like, Derrick Rose maybe... Like, I think he'll be a productive player this year, but I don't think he meaningfully changes their ceiling. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, all right, if Luke Kennard, like, gets, like, makes a f- huge leap, then then maybe that's something. But uh, I don't really foresee no, that of happening. Course not. But, like, they have Markeith Morris, like, Thon Maker. Like, I don't know. They'll have fine. Like, they'll yeah. be fine. Once again, the line's 38 here. I'm taking them ninth in the East. Mm-hmm. Like, they're not a a bad team there's just not much to be excited about and i don't see much of a, a ceiling raiser former net joe johnson's getting his opportunity with them too coming off the big three which is like much respect i said joe. yeah yeah so hopefully he makes the team and we'll see what ends up happening but i don't have much else to say about that yeah me neither i had them ninth but i don't have much to say now i think this is where it gets like a so I'm up. interesting. Can I guess where you're gonna go here? Yeah, I think you're gonna go with the Hawks. Yeah, I love the Hawks. Like they're my ma- were were they the one team that you were referring to as like out of the bottom that like, I would watch that you would watch out of the bottom seven? Yes, they are the one team I would watch okay. out of the bottom of the seven. But I'm lower on them than most people. So so I'm interested in kind of hearing. Once again, I'm not. You picked them tenth. You said you would still picked Detroit over them. Yeah. But um, I think consensus wisdom says, like, this is the one team that, like, could be the Nets of last year. Where, like, their right. young team, where their young players pop and, like, they surprise some people. Well, that was kind of my thinking on this team. Like, looking at, like, the blueprint of, like, how they've been built. Um, I just think that they have a very Nets vibe from last season. Sure. Um, maybe some of the players aren't as good or as i i don't know maybe as experienced as some of the nets players but i think they have the best chance of like i it's not that i w- i would be pretty surprised if they made the playoffs yeah. but i would also i i think they have like the most potential to kind of be like and the most exciting team to watch out of these bottom 7 teams 
um, just to kind of flip on and be like, oh, look, Trey Young is doing his thing. Um, and, like, they have, like, some – they drafted Cam Reddish and DeAndre Hunter. Yeah. Um, who – are going to be two really key wing players for them. And I think it gives them a lot of positional versatility. Um, I'm not sure how good it makes them, but it, it just gives them a lot of different guys to throw out there and see like what they can do. Um, yeah. We have a lot of Maryland guys on here. Sure. So Alex Len, yeah. Bruno Fernando. I'm not, I, I don't really, I have no, oh, Bruno Fernando, I'm sure. Puerto, too. And Herder. 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 He's not Mexican, man. He's <laughs> from Herder. upstate New York, Right, dude. Kevin Herder, sorry. Yeah, Herder and, Herder and Bruno, I will always be rooting for. Um, Len is, I would consider, like, they are my Eastern Conference, like, crush for sure, yeah. Okay. Um, Len, I don't really have much of a connection to, but, um. Yeah. The thing I wanted to say, like, so y- you've raised a lot of good points, but I think we're in the same boat. We're like, I even feel like I think they're, I actually last year in my notes, I said, like, I think the Nets could be the eight seed, which I felt pretty proud about looking back. Yeah. Like, I think I felt better about last year's Nets than this year's Hawks. Like, oh, I totally. have two equal, like, separate but equally valid feeling. The first is that they're the most exciting team in the in the bottom of this conference for sure and that they have the most pot the highest ceiling as it were possibly but their their over under per westgate is 36 and i'm taking the under by far probably. yeah i had they only sorry i had one number that had 33 and a half and i okay. kind of liked 35 for them 34 ish yeah. wins but they only here's here's and this is i'm sort of the one place I'm, i've been mostly saying my own feelings i thought dunked on made a really good case this team only won like in the mid to high twenties last yeah. year. Do you really see them making a six win jump? They were twenty third in offense, twenty seventh in defense, and mm. I think defense night in and night out is going to be an issue. Yeah, Collins can't defend really. I don't think tra- I think Trey Young's going to Trey Young's my my player to watch. I, point guards in year two generally make a leap, but I don't think his leap is going to come defensively, and I don't think DeAndre Hunter. Like, he was a great defender in college, but I don't think, like, he's coming in and, and changing their, their, their fortunes. Culture and all they that. They were 27th in defense, and I don't see them getting above, like, 22nd, where you get compared to, like, the Nets, who were, like, middle of the road defensively, and that was a huge reason mm-hmm. why they ended up making the playoffs. So I think offense could, could maybe take a bit of a leap, but I... The point kind of is, like, going forward, like, yes tons of optimism but i don't think this year is it Mm. i wanted to i wanted to throw one question to you unless you had something to say well my only other point was if i'm gonna argue against myself on this atlanta team is they have a lot of guys which could be a problem in terms of like stirring like evan turner is he gonna be happy on this team like jabari 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 parker i like i I wrote i have no interest in jabari parker whatsoever uh like i i don't i I don't think, like, yeah, I'm hoping, who's their coach, Lloyd Pierce? Mm -hmm. I think Pierce hopefully just plays the young guys. Turner's going to be the backup point guard, basically. Like, he's not, they're not going to be major players. And by the way, when Turner's your back, Evan Turner's your backup point guard, it it doesn't go well. So, (laughs) so don't, I I don't see that as as a place where they're getting better. Um, I was going to, and I agree with you, like, there are a lot of guys, but I think it's going to, 
and maybe people see that as a reason for like why that win total goes up but i think they end up kind of rolling with the young guys i was going to ask you like if you're a hawks fan what do you want to see out of hunter and reddish in year one like they're just interesting guys that like going into the season the hawks are going to get some hype but like i don't see those two guys necessarily getting hype like what 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 do you, what's your dream kind of like rookie year for those two guys that they can like be in the rotation yeah like i think like Since some semblance of they can actually play and like hopefully um especially reddish improved some of his shooting numbers yeah um that I was the huge concern yeah. coming out and if he's able to provide some sort of spacing at like the three four then that's a positive for them yeah like and even co- like coming into college, I remember following him and tracking him. He was like one of those guys that people were really ha- like excited about because he was Kevin Durant esque in that like he was this bigger guy that can shoot the ball. And not that he's gonna be a- approach anything close to Kevin Durant at all, but like that was like what a lot of people liked about him coming out from high school going to Duke. Yeah, that's interesting. I see him more like I see his ceiling more as like not that I see Kevin no, Durant I as know. a ceiling at I, all. But I, yeah, yeah. I think he's shown himself to be like his game's like just like nice inside out for game. To me, I think I wanna see Hunter's like defensive like right. showing him so if he can like come out and be decent defensively where was most rookies suck like that's good and then like the offensive contributions kind of are secondary i agree with you on reddish it's like just like what are you giving us offensively like maybe it's some secondary playmaking maybe it's shooting you know but uh seeing what you have in him it will will be interesting um you're up yes so i'm I actually put this team above the Hawks, um, so I'm happy to be taking them. And they're a team that you were excited about last year, mm-hmm. and I, I kind of encourage you to temper your optimism. And now this year I have some optimism for them. It's the Chicago Bulls. Okay. Uh, Westgate has them at 33.5 as they're over-under for wins. Once again, this is just the most recent line I looked at, but 29th in offense, 25th in defense. Um Staying healthy is is kind of the biggest issue here, mm-hmm. but they're deep. They're kind of deep. I like Thomas Sadoransky coming in out to probably start over Chris Dunn. You obviously also have Kobe White waiting in the wings. You have Thad Young. Wendell Carter only played forty four games last year. Laurie Markkinen only played in the in the early in the early to mid fifties. If they can play more games, like I think they're going to be a better team and kind of. I think they there's just a, a marked difference between them and the teams below them for sure. And I, I think this is a team with more veterans than the Hawks. So I, I like their chances to win night in and night out in the in the regular season, you know, whether that's like stealing game. Once again, these probably aren't playoff teams, so it's like where are you getting wins, like stealing them maybe on the road, occasionally beating a western good Western conference team. And maybe and maybe the Bulls can do that. Who knows? 29th in offense is kind of dire, and, like, Jim Boylan isn't exactly going to be, like, <laughs> uh, innovating offensively. But there's just some interesting talent there, and I'm willing to take a shot with them. Yeah, I mean, I think they're the natural next pick yeah. out of the rest of the teams that are left. And, it, yes, it is laughable um, 
with the rest of the teams that are left. I think Sadoransky changes some of the offensive metrics that you kind of mentioned, and maybe Kobe White kind of changes that with some of the his pace that he's shown throughout college. Um, it yeah, and they added Thaddeus Young, who's like a nice veteran. They're a what like. I guess the Hawks' ceiling might be a little bit. I'm a little higher on the, their yeah, ceiling sure. in comparison to the Chicago's ceiling, but Chicago might have like a higher floor. Yeah, um, I think I think that's exactly it. So I, I, it's and like we didn't really. I think Markinen can be one of those guys that we kind of lost track of a little bit last year. Hundred percent agree. Um, hopefully he's able to show something. I don't know anything about what Zach Levine. Levine's gonna kind of like what he's gonna do at all. Um, coming not a bad, didn't have a bad season. I no, think no, not we in were talking. We were coming into way. last year talking about that contract, and I think he acquitted himself. Like, yeah, t- to a large extent, at least at a as a scorer. It's more about like to me. It's like he's fine. It's like what can he contribute to winning basketball? That's, is kind that's of that's what more I was gonna question. say. Yeah, yeah. That like what is he gonna do to produ- like contribute to that? Yeah, goal, and I'm not exactly sure. Yeah. So, yeah, I think they were the natural next pick, and I'm having. So we're entering the poop tier and now, <laughs> and I'm having trouble choosing, uh, the the out of the bottom four. Wow, this Come is on. ridiculously hard. Um. All right. Tell <laughs> me the Washington Wizards. Yeah, I guess I'm going. I would have taken the Wizards too. Um, I would have taken the Wizards too. It's tough though. Like the, the, oh man, these four teams are not great. Like the talent is pretty. It's just not there for any of the. And like it's, the only reason I guess I would choose the Wizards is because they have like a legitimate player. Like out of the three, four teams that we were choosing out of, Bradley Beal is the best player out of all four of those teams. Um, that's pretty much all I'm. And can you imagine, like, last year I chose this team fifth? I know. And, and like, with all <laughs> the – like, obviously a lot of the things have changed, yeah. but this team was yeah. who I th- – I thought they were fifth in the in the playoffs, and they're terrible. Um, so I would have chosen them. I would have chosen them here, too, and for the exact same rationale. They have Bradley Beal on their team. Sure, maybe they trade him. I doubt but they're going to trade him, But while he's on their him, team, they – so I've prepared a bit for you okay. and I'm going to do it right now because <laughs> okay. I don't really want to talk about any of these players so okay. here you go <laughs> ladies and gentlemen your 2019-2020 Washington Wizards starting at point guard he was 44th among point guards in real plus minus last year which puts him six spots above John Wall Ish Smith at the powered forward spot. We only got him because of a trade the Spurs made because they thought they were signing Marcus Morris before he backed out of a handshake deal. Darius Bertans, the man in the middle. Centers have the lowest replacement level by far in the NBA, but we still managed to start one that's way below average. Thomas Bryant at the three. He's from Japan, <laughs> Rui Hachimachimura. And at the two guard, why the fuck is he still on this team? It's Brad Beal. Ladies and gentlemen, your Washington Wizards. Oh, that was a treat. 
Thank oh, you. Thank you. Wow, that was that was definitely worth uh, doing this two hour podcast. <laughs> just hearing that. Um, yeah, this team's not gonna be yeah. good at all. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know some. I don't understand some of their signings. Um, like Thomas Bryant, like like you mentioned in that bit. I don't why like Jan Mahimi it's is not like, even on like a Thomas Bryant's bad. bad. It's just like why is he starting <laughs> for an NBA team? <laughs> it's not. Yeah, yeah. it's not yeah. exciting yeah. at all to really see this team going. Like even like Ish Smith really. Yeah, like, I know. Like, yeah, I, yeah I, we can get off. Like no, I don't even. What, that's why I prepared that bit because it's, it's like I don't actually want to discuss any of these players seriously. Yeah. Like what's the point? Like. And so maybe I, like like maybe there's something nice in Hachimura, but like sure. a lot of people were saying that that like were a little disappointed maybe because they might have reached a little bit yeah. according to apparently he's looked good in like the yeah. training camp and preseason. He got experience so in f- at, at the World Cup, yeah, all that type of stuff. So like that's kind of cool to to see, and he's like you know this cultural icon for Japan. So like. That's one interesting bit, but I feel bad for my friends in Washington. Like, yes. like all my friends are like. So I'm just wondering. I don't want to. We we should get off this team as soon mm-hmm. as possible. Are your friends like? Are th- uh, Wizards fans? How do they feel about Beal? Are they, they like love we? him? They love. So him. they would rather have Brad Beal and and the forest of, you know, absolute uh, the poo poo bladder. I mean, then they like trade him and start the rebuild. Like obviously John Wall's contract. Like I don't even. I'm I'm like getting depressed. Like, yeah. Just talking about like, this, and but. they're like Kevin. Like you're, I'm a Redskins fan. Yeah. I'm a Wizards fan. Like they, <laughs> yeah. like they, they lost Bryce Hi- Harper this year. Oh, like boohoo, you. I'm a I'm a brewer fan kind yeah. of and you know yeah it's so like Juan it's Soto singling off Josh Hader is burning <laughs> memory so like it's a lot of like just like sighing and yeah. like oh my god like what's going on and I think that's the feeling like that uh, we're talking about it like it, there's just not much for optimism and I understand being a Wizards fan and saying like I'd at least watch one really good basketball player but if I'm that front office. I think I'm shopping him sooner rather than later. Because right. do you want to get it? Do you want to get to that point where he requests it and then his value dro- d- drops? You no. know, I mean, you don't. You definitely don't want to get to that point. And the fact that he's shown like such like character and being like, yeah, I'll like he hasn't like yeah, he's seen like, like a trooper. So right, far, he hasn't sure. said like anything um, yet. So like, we'll see what ends up happening. So let's move on to the next one, Andrew. Um, who do you have? Wow, it's getting really bad. No, um, it's horrible. I, the next three teams are are legit. I mean, the Wizards are legitimately terrible too. Uh, so is it the Knicks, the Cavs, or the Hornets? Yeah. So I deviated from Westgate here. Uh, they would have me choose the Knicks, and actually, the Knicks have a higher projected um over under than the than the Wizards do too. But I'm going with the Cavs actually for the same reason. As you kind of went with the Wizards, I'm like, all right, on these next three teams, who's the best player? It's Kevin Love. Sure, maybe they trade him, but I don't know. I I just don't know. I don't really have much of a good uh, kind of (laughs) – like I put on a bullet. They were 25th in offense last year, 30th and historically awful on defense, probably the worst defense in NBA Mm. history. Um, 
And I just think Kevin Love, even if he plays for... I don't think he's going to get traded right off the bat because I feel like we'd already be hearing stuff about it. Yeah. There are kind of these rumblings. Like, I actually don't... We can save this for, for the Western Conference because I'd rather talk about it in the context of Portland. I don't actually see Kevin Love for Portland, and he wouldn't be a preferred guy for me. Mm. Um, and it's just like... The, the the destinations are limited, and I think it might get drawn out for a while. So I think the more he plays, just the better this team is than the other two. The three things I care about, my player to watch is Colin Sexton. Was the last third of Sexton's season where he shot pretty well from three and like looked actually like a starting caliber NBA point guard? Like, Is that for real? How does Darius Garland look, and who do they trade? They're probably shipping off your Jordan Clarksons and your Tristan Thompsons at some point. When and how do those trades happen? But for at least a period of time, they will have some NBA talent on their roster. Yeah. It's unfair. The Knicks will have some, too. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I I don't care about the Cavs, but yep. I'm taking them for those reasons. Yeah, basically, when's Kevin Love getting yeah, traded? Like exactly. that's the next. And it's a possible. Guy. And it's a possibility. There's, nah, I I put the chances of him getting traded at like seventy five percent. But yeah. if I'm getting twenty five percent where he doesn't get traded and they're like a thirty win team, mm-hmm. I, I think it's worth it. Yep. All right, should I just move on? Yeah, because I, I think we're done. Much. I think we may as well just kind of. Re- we've been going for a while. I'm yeah, fine yeah. I with mean, well, we have like no. We should. We, we have should like pick the next two for yeah, sure. Yeah. But um, yeah, I'll go with the Knicks. Yeah, I would take the Knicks too. Yeah. Um, they have some. No, I shouldn't even say they have some interesting guys. It's just, I think. I actually think I would have taken the Knicks over Cleveland. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I think a lot of people would have. Yeah. Um, I just think that it's really like RJ Barrett, like what can he show? Um, Julius Randle like had numbers last year for New Orleans. Like he wasn't bad at all. Like maybe defensively he was bad, but like offensively he showed that he can play. Um, Mitchell Rob like I wonder if like this young ish core can like grow together mitchell robinson uh barrett dennis smith if he's able to show any like i wonder if these guys frankie like is he is he gonna do anything no i literally wrote maybe this is like last chance you for dennis smith and frankie smokes basically yeah like yeah this is your chance um taj like so okay here was the point their center depth is pretty decent so here's the point <laughs> I wanted to make. Here's some of their signings from, and I'm just saying like forward. If the, if they're listed as a forward, I'm going to say forward. Taj Gibson, forward. Marcus Morris, forward. Bobby Portis, forward. Julius Randle, Randall, center, but also can play the four. So basically, like three forwards and and kind of a big. And your two most promising young guys are Kevin Knox and. Uh, and uh, R.J. Barrett. Yeah, and R.J. Barrett, who were also forwards. Mm-hmm. So, like, the places you improved are, like, redundant. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, th- I don't see it coming together in a great... I think either they're going to be rolling with the young guys and they're going to be losing a lot. But And if you play the, uh, the, the new acquisitions, like, I don't think they're coming together to be anything special either. So it's kind of just, like... It's sad. Yeah, I don't know. Well, I, I'd well, be taking the under on well, 27 and a half. Okay, I guess the one place that I w- did want to go with this, and like just to kind of remind our listeners, I think a lot, like 
this off season was terrible for the Knicks. Yeah, like it was a catastrophe for like what they were hoping, and not to relitigate and recount all the things that ended up happening, but they're really banking on Kyrie and KD coming to them, opening up the two max slots, like Porzingis gone, like. It, it was really just a bad off season for them and i feel like not that I, I just feel bad for Knicks fans because like they're still paying their their crazy amount of money for yeah. their season tickets for whatever god know you know like whatever reason they do that other than to burn money but they're doing it and like Dolan still there as the owner like it doesn't seem like it's going to change anytime soon. And, like, just they pretty much signed these guys to, like, three-year deals, two- to three-year deals. So, like, they're punting on next season, which isn't honestly I great think they mostly have options, for right, right. team options for next year, though, too. Yeah, that's true. But, like, free agency class isn't as good as yes, this agreed. year. So it doesn't seem that – like, it seems like they got to wait another couple of years before – they have any legitimate shot. And, like, you know, I was just watching, like, short clips of KD on Hot 97, like, kind of talk about, like, why he didn't choose the Knicks. And he was just like... They suck. They suck. <laughs> well, <laughs> no, in, in much kinder words, he was just like, they're not the cool team. Hmm. And saying, like... Yeah, we talked about this a lot at the end yeah. of the last offseason, like, the death of the Knicks m- mystique. And right. I, I think, it, yeah... We have to enter a new era. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. so so the point, I, yeah, if this team is smart, like, and it'll be interesting to see what Fizdale does, like, does he, because he has veterans on this team, like, mm-hmm. does he, you know, think his job's on the line and play the veterans will be an interesting question. Like, I like Randall, like, I like Morris, like, they're good pieces, and theoretically if they're playing well like you should really trade one of like you should trade them that's Mm. how this team should be operating so i'm just interested in seeing like if they go with the youth or if they play the veterans more they obviously i think we seem to agree and what you're saying would imply like then this year should be about kind of like seeing what you have and you know then building accordingly preparing for the next free agency failure Mm -hmm. but if they go that route i think they're going to be really really bad i mean we both think they're going to be really really bad who cares so last up for andrew oh so this is an interesting saving it for the western conference i guess the western conference 15th team will ostensibly probably have more wins than this team right because i think we both think this will be the worst team in the league yeah it's the charlotte hornets yeah um Kevin, I would so twenty third, twenty three projected wins over under. I didn't even look up their stats from last year because I just got bored and I don't care. Yeah, Kevin, I want to. Um, we're on a game show. Okay, and you know, I'm ready. It's the million dollar question. Okay, Kevin Wu, who is the best player on the Charlotte Hornets? <laughs> uh, who's on that team? Cody Zeller. Uh, so. But Batum? Batum? Is he still on the team? Yeah, he is still on the team. Um, I, I'll read their starting lineup. Um, I was going to say Marvin Williams is their best player. That that would have been my that would have been mm. my my answer. But um, they're going to be legitimately horrible. There's You're not in on Scary Terry as being the best. No, player. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not in on that at all, oh. man. Come on. 
Yeah, uh, I, yeah, yeah, like this your team. Rozier, Nick Batoon, Bridges, Zeller, Marvin Williams. Marvin Williams, yeah. Uh Dwayne Bacon. Like he's yeah. Malik Monk. Like it's like all right, maybe one of those guys pop. If I'm a Charlotte Hornets fan, that's what I'm. I'm hoping Bridges shows himself to be like a valid valid starter in the NBA. I'm ho- maybe losing Kemba. I mean, Scary Terry is going to be taking a just. I'm guessing like he's going to be one of the higher volume usage players in the yep. league. Like he'll probably be fine. I doubt he'll be like super efficient. He's not a super efficient player. He'll he'll put up numbers, but like. Yeah, it's like is PJ Washington okay? Like you're just hoping these guys are okay, but they're they're not going to be good defensively. They'll prob probably be the in the bottom three defenses in the league, and they'll probably be in the bottom five offenses in the league. So mm-hmm. there you go. That's a horrible team. Yeah. Um. It's not so good. did you hear that Mitch Kupchak did an interview where he said he, basically when Kemba Walker made the All NBA team, like they weren't expecting it to happen and like they weren't prepared for it at all that's ridiculous like they should get fired on like that Just is malpractice it's ridiculous is it, and they apparently he said that i i Lowe was uh, talking about that in a podcast jeez yeah well I don't know. Like that, that doesn't that just seem that just screams like incompetence. And it like, does, and that's this uh, Hornets team that you will watch in t- t- 2019, 2020. That will probably be the worst team in the league. It is. They are in, unfortunately, the respect to the good people of Charlotte, Michael Jordan, and that front office. Like you've earned this team. So yeah. Enjoy. It's and like honestly, the the pieces aren't like like this had. They were like trying to make a playoff push with basically yeah. most of these pieces, yeah. other than obviously Kemba to Rozier's like a huge step down. Agreed. And Kemba did so much for them. So, like, they had pieces in play to like make a, a push for the eighth seed. Um, that's my only counter argument. I just think the, I, I, I just think the, it's going to be pretty bad um, in terms of, um, like some of the chemistry stuff with if Rozier ends up being a high volume type of shooter, like I could see other people getting disgruntled on that team and just being a little bit worried. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But other than that, like I like I wouldn't be surprised if they finished over the Knicks or and, no, the, and the Cavs no, or anything. No, it's possible. But it's just yeah, the Cavs could. I probably should have taken the Knicks over the Cavs, but I don't think those teams are. They're and it'll be interesting. Um, an interesting thing to. So, what were you gonna say? No, because I thought I, of. Uh, I just think those bottom four teams are like you could choose and. An interesting like any thing, of those guys. and if we were really smart, I don't know if any of those teams have like picks that they're giving up or like protections. I was gonna say an interesting thing about how this all plays out. Um, we saw last year some of it, but like the less incentive to tank. Like, mm. does that affect some of these win-loss records at the bottom? And, or like, how do teams view kind of tanking versus playing your young guys versus, like, any sort of potential pick protections will be kind of an interesting thing there. I'm just trying to think of something other than the Hornets being bad and to like talk what, about. And basically whether or not, like, pe- teams go for it. Like, I think the Knicks will be a little bit scarred from, like, their experience of it. Like, they still got R.J. Barrett at yeah. three, but they didn't get zion at once so like i think that might change some of their thinking in terms of 
or maybe not. Maybe they're just like we want more, sh- you know, shots at like trying to get the top top player. And I don't like projecting onto that. We have no like I have no clue who's gonna be that guy. Yeah. Lamelo Ball's kind of been thrown in there. Like, so it's I think that's I I, I don't think it changes it too much, but maybe some of th- it shifts some of the thinking in terms of like if we're really bad like it does like it doesn't matter cuz like we can still play all these guys and we'll probably still lose anyway and we'll we could try our hardest and still lose so it, it I don't think it really matters too much so part 1's wrapped up Andrew um we got it pretty much in 2 hours so that's pretty good that's and with we did we did China 25 minutes of China at yeah. the top exactly so, uh, so we're yeah. happy about getting it within 2 hours especially um, with this first part, but I think next week's second part, Western Conference preview, that's going to be a lot more exciting to talk about. I a still lo- think this was an enjoyable, I, I an enjoyable podcast, and I think it's a good exercise. Good exercise to kind of us. see the yeah. state of the the league and the state of the conference, and kind of analyzing the playoff race and thinking about those tiers. I I think it's it's good to have kind of a conception of where you think teams are at and where their room for improvement like yep. is going into the air so although i think the western conference will have a little bit more drama and fireworks i still very much enjoy doing this with you bud totally agree and i think there's going to be a lot more uh like variations yeah. of like who we think are going to make the playoffs and like we're going to be a there's going to be a lot more uh, variance between like what we think is going to happen in the Western Conference. So I'm excited about next week. Always good to do a podcast with you, Andrew. Yeah, so thanks, man. Thanks for coming back onto the pod, and we're really excited to bring part two to you guys next week. And if there's any updates on the China situation with Daryl Morey, we'll definitely be talking to you guys about that as well. And any other NBA new, interesting NBA news that comes out, Within the next week or so, yeah, it's going mean, to start season starting. It's going to start to ramp up, and you know, God forbid, someone gets like an injury yeah. or something like that, and uh, happens within this next week or so. Like, that's going to be something else to monitor. So we're hoping nothing bad happens like that to affect um, the teams and like the health of all these guys. And I'll be going to SF this weekend. Uh, hopefully you get to watch. Enjoy. We got to get a report from uh from Chase. What is it? Chase, Chase Center. Center. Ch- yeah, the Chase Ch- Center. So we'll get your full Chase Center report. Kevin's gonna try and sneak into one of those suites. Yeah, uh, by I'll the rate the side. hot dogs, the hamburgers, He's like, and yeah, the fries. I'm the new WeWork guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, maybe I could maybe I could kind of s- WeWork like d- my brother's in the startup, so maybe he has like some type of connection sure. that way. So, yeah, guys, thanks for listening again, and tune in next week to part two of the Western Conference.